This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Okay, I'll have a look. 
I hope nothing happened to Mr. Charles. He's one of our best tenants. Hey, Johnny! Look! Here's Mr. Charles and he... What is it, Mike? Hmm. Is he dead? I think so. Look! There! Over his heart! A wound. Yeah. Right through his pajamas. A 22 bullet. I, I bet. No, not the stab wound. That's Mr. Charles, all right. Is he dead? Yes. Who could have done it? That's what the police would like to know. That's what we have to find out. I don't see any weapon. Look for a nice stick or a thin stiletto. Okay, I'll have a look around the apartment. I'm not going to telephone the owner of the building. Not yet. And don't leave the apartment. Yes, but whose apartment adjoins this on the bedroom side? Uh, Professor Vladimir Deniskew. What's his business? I believe he lectures on anthropology. Hmm. Does he uh, live alone? He has a male secretary who lives with him, I believe. Who lives on the other side, next to the living room? Oh, that apartment is vacant. Did Mr. Charles live alone? Yes. Apparently, Mr. Charles was killed while he was phoning. The receiver is still off the hook there, and his body is lying in front of the telephone table. Yes, it looks that way. Let's say, I can't find any sign of a dagger or ice pick anywhere. There's an electric ice box in the kitchen, so I don't think Mr. Charles would be needing an ice pick himself. What about the windows? There are locks. Any fire escape? No. It's a 14-story drop to the street on all sides. How many uh, floors above this, Superintendent? Uh, Fifteen. Hmm. Any uh, other entrances to this apartment? Only a service door in the kitchen. Yeah, I, I, I looked at that. It's locked and boarded from the inside, and there's no knob on the outside of the door. Well, Mike, you better phone the coroner. I'll just have a look around the apartment. Then I'd like to question the professor and his secretary. Maybe they can throw some light on this case. Very, very puzzling. Very, Doc. 
But the blue beetle's going to solve the puzzle. Uh, how? I'm going to revisit the Charles apartment alone. And do a little private investigating. Danny, what do you think is back of this murder? Mm, sabotage of some sort. I'm positive it has something to do with a train of munitions and guns being shipped to Canada. Well, be careful, Danny boy. If your suspicions are correct, you'll run into a ruthless gang of murderers. I know that. But the Blue Beetle can handle them. Have you everything you need? Mm-hmm. This Blue Beetle chain armor and mask, my magic ray and spotlight are all I'll need tonight. I'm traveling light because I've got to travel fast. The Blue Beetle is going to solve a murder and strike a blow for humanity. sitting when he was killed. It doesn't hang straight. I'll have a look. Uh, a hole in the wall back of the picture. Just large enough for a rifle barrel and to hear conversation. Now, here. Here is the railroad map again. Yes, I think. Mission train would approach a bridge to Canada over the gorge along this track here. Yeah. Uh, now, our major plan is to blow up the bridge as the munitions train is passing over. But if for some reason our men are unable to place a charge of explosives under the bridge, our ultimate plan is to wreck the train and block the entrance and the entire road as well as destroy the munitions aboard the train. Well, how will we know in advance which plan to follow? I'm expecting a call any minute from our leaders at Rosnow, near the border. Then as soon as you get word, I'll be on my way. Yes. Your job is to take care of any guards at the American side of the bridge. Yes, I understand. This will take care of them. Oh, the air pistol that shoots glass pellets filled with suffocating gas, huh? Yes. It makes very little noise. Whoever is shot with it remains unconscious for a long, long time. Oh, boy. Now, there are two planes tuned up and waiting out on the right day appeal. You take one of them. All right. And, uh... You're sure no one suspects our plot? Possibly. Possibly. I liquidated Charles before he could telephone the police. Well, what about money? Here. Now, here is a thousand dollars for expenses. Okay. When the job is done, there'll be plenty more where this came from. Good. Hello? Yes? You what? Yes. Yes, we're ready at this end. Ah, wait. Here, here's the call now. Just a minute. I, I'll ask him. Well... What about it, Igor? Munition train is loaded and will pull out for Canada in ten minutes. Ah, uh, hello. Renaldo. Igor informs me that the train will pull out in ten minutes. Yes, all right. Everything is moving smoothly. We'll be with you soon. Goodbye. What's that? I can't imagine what that could be. The Blue Beetle. Yes, the Blue Beetle. And he's going to nip. You have an ingenious method of entering, Mr. Blue Beetle. Did you by any chance fly to my window? And just what do you want? I overheard your whole plot from the next apartment. And crawled along the ledge outside the window. Think he knows everything. And I'm going to turn you over to the police. All of you. Get away from that phone, Professor. Or I'll burn you with my magic ray. Oh, no, you won't, Blue Beetle, because you won't be able Put to. Put down that gun. Oh, there. Battle fixed, Mr. Blue Beetle. Uh, let's just get out of here. 
such gas is making me sick. And what about the Blue Beetle? We'll tie him up and take him down to the freight yard and put him aboard the munition train. The Blue Beetle will have a rude awakening sometime in the early morning hours. <laughs> What will happen to the Blue Beetle now? How soon will he recover from the effects of the suffocating gas? Can he save the shipment of munitions to Canada from destruction? Which plan will the saboteurs put into effect? These questions will be answered in the next episode of the Blue Beetle. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. behind a strange mask and a suit of impenetrable blue chain armor, flexible as silk, but stronger than steel. Today's episode of the Fox feature, The Blue Beetle, is the second part of a story entitled Sabotage Incorporated. In the previous episode, Wentworth B. Charles, president of Explosive Incorporated, has been stabbed to death, apparently with an ice pick as he was phoning the police about a shipment of munitions. Investigation discloses no murder weapon and no clues to the killer. All doors and windows of the child's apartment were securely locked and bolted from the inside. A later secret investigation by Dan Garrett as the Blue Beetle discloses that the occupants of an adjoining apartment, a Professor Danescue and his male secretary, are part of a sabotage ring whose purpose is to destroy a train load of explosives and war munitions as it passes over the Rocky Gorge Bridge from the United States to Canada. As the Blue Beetle confronts them, he is rendered unconscious by a suffocating gas shot from an air pistol by a young girl named Vicky, one of the conspirators. As the episode ends, 
The conspirators planned to dispose of the Blue Beetle by dumping his bound and unconscious body aboard the munitions train, which is to be destroyed. As our story opens today, Vicky is on her way in a private plane to Rosno, near the Canadian border, to supervise operations at the bridge. The professor and Igor are to follow as soon as they dispose of the Blue Beetle. Professor, here we are at the freight yard. Yes, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the train with a load of guns and explosives aboard. Yes, it's moving. Uh, we'll have to hurry. Give me a hand, the blue beetle here. Yes. All right. Oh, oh he's heavy. Yes, his chain armor. Oh, no. Here comes an empty dump car. Yes. We go on in. One. Two. Three. Ah, there he is. There is the beetle. You may reach heaven when the train goes up.
got a phone, the, the blue what? And we ain't got a phone. Where's the nearest telephone? Five miles down the road. Jed Hawkins' his place. Thanks. But he ain't home. Where can I get a car? Uh, the trolleys don't run out this far. You get a bus in the morning. Wait, I can't wait. Uh, how far is the border? About uh, 20 miles. I've got to get there in a hurry. Who are you running away from? Not running away. I'm trying to prevent a crime. Well, uh, I could drive you out to Rosno in the morning. Where's the nearest airport? Rosno. Ten miles. Uh, drive me to the airport tonight, and you'll be a hero in the morning. So will you be if you live through my driving. Yep. I'll be down soon to get the boots on and push the more teeth in.
Further Adventures of the Blue Beetle will be presented in the next episode of The Blue Beetle. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. I don't know. All I know is I get three bucks a day to walk up a 
down upon a Stacy's with the sign, say, don't patronize Stacy's cafeteria. Is Stacy a member of the Cosmopolitan Restaurant Owners Association? Huh? You heard me. Well, listen, officer, I, I ain't supposed to know nothing about that. I, I got a family to support, and I need my job. You're an accessory to a crime. Know that, don't you? Well, what do you mean? It is this Cosmopolitan Association is a crooked record, and you're in. Listen, officer. A lot of us ain't in favor of some of the things that's done, but we ain't arguing with our bread and butter. All right, here we go, boys. Wait. Hey, you guys, what do you think you're doing? Come around, let you have it. Hey, who? Come on, Mike. Let's round them up. There goes another one. Here it is. Back in the north for the leader. Hey, got him. Yeah? Well, how do you like this? Oh. Round that gun or I'll break your arm. Hold him, hold him, Danny. You almost got me. Let's take care of the others. Now, 
generic visit to the headquarters of a cosmopolitan restaurant owners association. What do you expect to find? The blue beetle may be able to do what the DA can't do. Pick up enough evidence to smash the red spot racket. Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
who are not members of the Metropolitan Poultry Dealers Protective Association. Another racket. As our story opens, Dan Garrett, who is really the Blue Beetle, is cruising around with Officer Mike Manigan in the police car. I hate driving along under the elevated. Tell me, too. You can't tell when some skittery female decides to cross against the light. Not much room to swerve, and those L killers don't give an inch when you hit them. Hey, look at that truck ahead. Oh! Oh, boy, what a smash up. Hey, park the car, Danny, while I run ahead and see if anybody's hurt. All right, Mike, I'll be right with you.
Yes, Doc, and an interesting one. Yes. Where did you find out at the hospital? They performed an autopsy on Goodman and found evidence of food poisoning. Uh, who was he? He was head of the S&M Poultry Company. Mm. That's one of the companies who've been fighting the poultry reactor, isn't it? That's right. Uh, and where does Nick Martinez, the whispered man, come into the picture? Now, what motive would he have for plotting the death of one of his customers? That's what the Blue Beetle is going to find out tonight. Oh, Nick's brother, Julio, is a wealthy importer of fancy groceries and food stuff. He has a sort of a dude ranch out beyond the city limits. Uh, what's that newsboy calling? I don't know, Doc. I'll see you in just a moment. citizens, an honest, straightforward businessman. Now, who could have wanted him out of the way? I don't know. But Julio Martinez, Nick's brother, is one of the directors of the bank. And he may know. So what are you going to do? The Blue Beetle is going to ask Mr. Julio Martinez a few questions and waste no time about it. So long, Doc. Don't wait up for me. And don't worry. The Blue Beetle may be out till dawn. <laughs> Put that in his mouth. 
Uh, I have his hat, senor boss. I done, Pedro. Eat. Put a lariat over that bean there and haul the blue beetle up by his feet. Then tie the end of the lariat to the post on the stairway. Si, senor, I do. But my lariat, she is good one. No, I will buy you another one. Everybody will go up by the back way. Take the car and go to my office. I will join you there as soon as I have done away with this blue beetle. What would you do with him? Let him hang by his feet from the rafter until the police arrive. For a long time they have wished to capture the blue beetle. I, Julio Martinez, make them present of the blue With an exclusive loop on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Company and the SM Company have refused to join or pay tribute 
to so-called protective associations which Dan Garrett believes are operated by Julio Martinez, wealthy brother of Nick. Also on the same day, J.L. Williamson, president of the Drovers and Provision Dealers Bank, of which Julio Martinez is the director, had been killed by a bomb attached to the starter of his motor car. As the episode ended, the Blue Beetle, who interrupted a gay party at Julio Martinez's home in the hope of bluffing some compromising admission out of him, is involved in a fight with Julio's hireling. As he is chasing Julio, he is picked up by a lariat in the hands of Mexican Pete. The crook, before fleeing, gag and bind him and string him up by the feet from a large crossbeam as the sound of police sirens faded. Ah, it's been Thank <laughs> you. 
behind a few minutes ago. Hmm. Hey, hey, look. There's someone there driving out to the plane. See that most one close to there? Yeah. That's not an army car either. Come on, let's see who it is. Yeah. Looks like that mysterious guy who's always wearing blue chain armor and a mysterious pants. The blue beetle? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Come on, we better speed up. He's going to climb into that cockpit. Hey there, hey! Hey, Well, Jenny, according to the newspapers, 
did confess his part in the racket and also incriminated several politicians who were bribed by his brother Julio to prevent action by the police against Julio's fake protective association. That's fine. But weren't for crooked politicians, these business rackets couldn't flourish as they do. Well, they don't last long after the Blue Beetle starts nipping. The Blue Beetle will continue to nip as long as there are crooks preying on honest businessmen. And so two rackets were smashed by the Blue Beetle with one bomb. The lesson of this story is that the rackets in this country are being rapidly eliminated by aroused citizens and the agencies of law and order. What new adventures await the Blue Beetle in his one-man crusade against crime and the underworld? Can he continue to outwit the forces of evil? These questions will be answered in the next adventure of the Blue Beetle. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. behind the strange mask and a suit of impenetrable blue chain armor, flexible as silk, but stronger than steel. Today's episode of the Fox feature, The Blue Beetle, is entitled, The Underworld Goes Underground. Rival construction companies submitted low bids for digging a tunnel under Eastern Valley River from York City to Paradise Island. The Dunlap Construction Company was awarded the contract. Many citizens and some of the newspapers believe young Reginald Dunlap's engagement to the daughter of Commissioner of Public Works, Morrison, was the main reason he got the contract for his company. Since work started on the tunnel, more than the average number of accidents have occurred in the workings. Strong pressure has been brought to bear on Commissioner Morrison by politicians and newspapers to cancel Dunlap's contract and give it to the Jenkins Company. During previous and less honest administrations, the Jenkins Company had a virtual monopoly on all city construction work. As our story opens, Patrolman Dan Garrett, who is really the Blue Beetle, is discussing the matter with his friend and confidant, Dr. Franz. I'm convinced, Doc, that there's dirty work going on in the tunnel. What makes you so certain? The past record of the Dunlap Company, for one thing. Before this tunnel job, they enjoyed the reputation of having fewer casualties on their jobs than any other construction company in the country. This is a very difficult and hazardous job. It is. But the Dunlap people have had other jobs just as hazardous. Yes, that's true. I went to college with young Dunlap, and I know he's a capable fellow. When the old man died recently, Reggie took over the business. He's done a good job with it so far. Well, what's causing all these accidents and so many men getting the bend? I don't know. But I'll bet some group is trying to undermine Reggie. 
a ticklish situation for the commissioner. Yes, I can see it is. He wants to favor his prospective son-in-law, yet he can't disregard the dangerous situation that exists. Uh, excuse me, Demi. There's someone out front in the store. Yeah, it's only me, Doc. Why, hello, Mike. Hello. Come on back in the laboratory. Uh, Danny's here. Hello, Mike. Uh, hello, Danny. I was looking for you. There's trouble over at the Mid-City Tunnel, and we've been assigned to investigate. Okay. I'll be right with you. Anybody hurt, Manigan? Yeah, yeah. I think Mr. Dunlop himself was hurt. Reggie Dunlop? Yeah, I think so. Well, come on, Mike. Reggie's a friend of mine. Go on, Doc. See you later. <laughs> Someone, officer? Yes, Mr. Reginald Dunlap. My name's Stanley. I'm the night superintendent. Mr. Dunlap is in the airlock being decompressed. Can I see him? I'm afraid not. Not at the moment. What happened? Mr. Dunlap was down in the tunnel inspecting the work. Got word that his fiancée, Miss Morrison, had been thrown from a horse while riding in the city park. He immediately rushed to the service here without spending enough time in the decompression chamber. He got a severe attack on the bench. Well, I'd like to see him. I'm a personal friend of his. In a half hour, perhaps. He's back in the decompression chamber. I see. Was uh, Miss Morrison hurt by the fall? Broken arm, I believe. He's in city hospital. Well, thanks, Mr. Stanley. I'll take a run over there and drop back here in half an hour. Hey, uh, what's doing, Daddy? Drive me over to the city hospital, Mike. Miss Morrison's been injured. Can't see Dunlap for half an hour. He's being treated for the bends. Oh, bends is That's what them tunnel workers get, ain't it? Yes. Well, uh, what causes it, Daddy? Well, in order to keep the rock and mud from falling in and crushing the tunnel workers, as sand bombs they're called, compressed air has to be forced into the tunnel until the air pressure against the sides and roof of the tunnel is as great as the pressure of the riverbed and water above the tunnel. Yeah, I can understand that. But pressure may vary from 40 to 60 pounds to the square inch. Oh, that must be tough on those sand hogs. It is. Normal atmospheric pressure at sea level is only 15 pounds to the square inch. And that's what the human body's accustomed to. Well, go on. When the men go on the job, they spend a certain amount of time in a compression chamber called an airlock. While in the airlock, the air pressure is gradually increased to a point where it equals the pressure in the tunnel. The men are then able to pass directly into the tunnel. They say it's out of conditions, huh? That's right. Well, uh, what about when they come out? Well, that takes longer. If the men aren't properly decompressed before they come out into normal uh, air pressure, paralysis and even death may result. Well, uh, here we are at the hospital, Danny. Good. Wait for me, Mike. Only a few minutes. Okay. But if you see any good-looking nurses, just tell them that Mike Madigan has a car of his own. Uh, you'll find Miss Morrison in that room right there. Thank you, nurse. Come in. Yes? Oh, what is it, officer? Has something happened to Mr. Dunlap? Now, don't worry, Miss Morrison. Nothing serious has happened. I happen to be an old college mate of Reggie's, and I heard you were here. Oh. I wanted to ask you a few questions about your accident. Will you help me? Why, of course I will. I'll do everything I can to help Reggie. Well, now, tell me what happened to you. Well, I was riding along the bridle path in City Park when suddenly a man dashed out from behind some bushes, waving his hands and shouting. My horse shot and started to run away. I stepped off my saddle and fell. That's all I know until I came to, here in the hospital, with broken arm. Now tell me, do you often take that same ride and at the same time? Well, yes. Almost every day if the weather was clear. Why? Oh, nothing. Well, I've got to hurry back and see Reggie, Miss Morrison. Now, don't you worry anymore. Just take it easy and let that arm of yours set. I'm going to find the answer to these mysterious accidents. Well, Danny, what are you going to do with those old clothes? 
I'm on over my Blue Beetle chain armor. Going to a party disguised as a disguise? <laughs> no, Doc. You see before you Patrolman Dan Garrett, alias the Blue Beetle, alias the Sandhog in the Mid-City Tunnel job. Aren't you afraid you'll be discovered? I have to take that chance. Uh, what did you learn today? No, many things, Doc. I learned from Reggie when I could talk with him. He's not altogether satisfied with this new nighttime superintendent he has. You mean Stanley? Yes, Stanley's an experienced man, isn't he? Yes, and he came recommended by a friend of Miss Morrison. What about Miss Morrison's accident? I think that was planned with the hope that Reggie would come rushing up out of the tunnel as soon as he got the news. And be incapacitated by an attack of the bend. Yes. Well, what are you going to do? Go to work as a sandhog. Keep my ears and eyes open. But your identity... Does Dunlap know you're doing this? He asked me to help him solve this case. I told him it might prove embarrassing for his future father-in-law. If word got around that a member of the city police force was working as a special investigator for the Dunlap Company. So? So I told him I was very close to the Blue Beetle. Well, I was sure I could persuade him to take the case. Ah, very endearing. Reggie got me a union card and a note to Stanley. I'm to start work tonight. Anything you need, Danny? This is going to be dangerous work. I'd like a shot of your secret 2X formula. May prove useful if I get into any trouble underground. You shall have it. Anything else? Not tonight. Well, so long, Doc. The Blue Beetle will call underground tonight instead of fly. But his nippers will be just as sharp.
These questions will be answered in the next episode of The Blue Beagle. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. behind a strange mask and a suit of impenetrable blue chain armor, flexible as silk, but stronger than steel. Today's episode of the Fox feature, The Blue Beagle, is the second part of the story entitled, The Underworld Goes Underground. Reginald Dunlap, head of the Dunlap Construction Company, has asked his friend, Dan Garrett, to make a private investigation of the many mysterious accidents that have occurred during tunnel operations under the Eastern Valley River. Due to certain political angles involved, Dan tells Dunlap he'll get the Blue Beetle to do the job. As the Blue Beetle, Dan Garrett, disguised as a tunnel worker, makes an investigation, but is discovered, and after a fight, is ordered into the airlock by the superintendent of the job to be decompressed before ascending to the surface. With the Blue Beetle in the airlock is a man named Burke, a faithful employee whom Stanley, the superintendent, dislikes and has just discharged. As the first episode ended, Stanley and some of his hirelings are decompressing the air in the chamber more quickly than is safe in the hope that the Blue Beetle and Burke will be killed as a result. As our story opens, we are in the airlock with Burke and the Blue Beetle. What are we going to do, Blue Beetle? Well, Chaplin, the air pressure is going down so fast I can feel the cramps coming on in my legs. Now, grit your teeth, old man, and bear it as well as you can. Just as soon as I can locate the valves in this darkness, I'll stop the decompression. There must be some control inside as well as outside this chamber. Well, I think there is. All of that to your right. I've found them. Lucky I had my flashlight with me. I <laughs> It's getting cold in here. That's caused by the expanding air. It draws heat from surrounding objects. Well, I, I hope you can get us out of here quickly. That's just what I don't want to do. Now there. I'm shutting off the valves here. Well, what about Stanley and the gang outside at the tunnel end of the airlock? They can't get in here now. The door opens outward and the pressure from their side is too great. We'll just take it easy for a while and let our bodies adjust themselves to the reduced pressure. To now let a little more air out until the pressure inside is the same as that in the elevator shaft at the other side of the chamber. But, but the cold, I'm freezing. Here, put on this sweater of mine. Yeah, but what about you? I don't need it. I can stand the cold. I've conditioned myself to it. Well, thanks, man. Boy, this is going to feel grand. How's the bends? Better. 
Guess it must have been my imagination. I'll let a little more air out. Ah, that's more like it. That'll give us about 15 more minutes in here. Then it'll be safe to get out of here. When will I be glad? Hey, Burke, how many of the men do you think are loyal to Mr. Dunlap? Most of them. It's only the muckers that are new on this job. Them and Superintendent Stanley. The muckers are the men who shovel or hole away the muck that's drilled away from in front of the shield? Yeah, that's right. We Sandhogs, that is, the drillers, gave them that name. Mm, certainly fits that bunch of cutthroats who attacked us. Yeah, they're a pretty slimy bunch. Did you ever work on this Stanley before? No, never. Know anything about him? Only that he's the son of Assemblyman Stanley from the 3rd Election District. Mm. His last job, I believe, was as foreman of a job on the West Coast. How'd you like to do young Dunlap a favor? Oh, sure. He's always treated me all right, as his father before him. What do you want me to do? Keep your mouth shut about this whole thing. Well, what about my job? Let them fire you. Mr. Dunlap will take care of you until this matter's all cleared up. Then you'll get a real job, if I have anything to do with it. Okay. I don't know nothing. Well, that's on the shaft side. I'm going to open up. Give me my sweater back. I want to put on my disguise again. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. And thanks a lot. You're welcome. Wrong. There was a fight, and me and Burke got fired. Yeah, Stanley fired us. We want our pay. I didn't get at the office. I'm going to find out what's wrong in the tunnel. Nothing's wrong, except there's a few of the wrong kind of rats in it. Come on, Burke. We need some fresh air. Now, here's the blueprint of the entire project. And here... Here is a detailed friend of the air system in the tunnel. Spike, our engineer in charge of the pumps, will know what to do when I give him the go-ahead. Now, your job, Fluky, is to see that the steel emergency curtain is jammed. So it won't fall when the explosion blows a hole through the roof and lets the river flood the tunnel. Sure, I got you. We want to make this accident a good one. You can come on me, boss. But make sure you get into the airlock as quickly as possible. I don't want to lose any of our men. Well, how are you going to work it? Some of us are working up at the shield. I'll be right there where the water will break through first. Well, I'll see that they get a signal in advance. They'll suddenly decide to strike. They don't like the conditions under which they're working. Now, all you men, those that I've hired, start back toward the airlock to the decompression chamber before coming up out of the tunnel. When most of you are near the airlock, I'll give the signal. And Mr. Reginald Dunlop's construction company can wind up its affairs.
my way to the Mid-City Tunnel to try to stop a sabotage job. Anything else? Yes. For all hospitals to have ambulances and snow motors sent over right away. Got that? Yes, yes. Okay. Blue Beetle has to work fast. Goodbye, Doc. Goodbye, Danny. He's happy. But I don't mean him. I mean Burke. Burke? Yes, Burke. The man who got fired when Stanley discovered my Blue Beetle disguise in the tunnel. Well, what about Burke? Well, Burke took over the operation of the pumps. And as a reward for his work, Reggie has given him that job permanently. Ah, that's splendid. Well, well, what are you going to do now? Well, Doc, with the compliments of the management of Dr. Fran's little apothecary shop... I'm going to make myself a great big strawberry ice cream soda. Oh, fine. Fine, Danny. That, that's a great idea. And, and, you know, I think I'll have one with you. Uh, come out in front of the store. Uh, we'll sit up at the counter and be our own best customers. <laughs> deed and brought some dishonest crooks to justice. The moral of this story is that loyalty such as that of Burke, the Sandhog, brings its just rewards. What further adventures await the Blue Beetle in his one-man crusade against crime? This question will be answered in the next episode of the Blue Beetle. This and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, wherever you get podcasts, or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of 
Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!